Bounces away from McCulloch. Thurston gets the ball to Morgan. Morgan crosses the 20. Comes away to O'Neill. Guys, for the first time ever, unprecedented territory for Above the Horizontal. We have a full house. We have five people here, of course, myself, Bo Nicholson, Kieran Gibson. You come back after a week off. How's your week been? Uh, it's been good. I um, haven't been on the pod because I was studying, but I've since stopped studying because it was a bit much. So yeah, looking forward to, to being on the pod a bit more often and yeah. Lovely to have your schedule open up nicely. Miles Stedman, you are also back. Your schedule seems to have opened up just that little bit. It has, uh, getting slightly less busy at work, um, so it's it's going to be good to be on the pod a little bit more going forward, and Bo, I think I'll owe you a little bit more money going forward. Yes, maybe, but we won't talk about too much funds no. on here. I'm a, you know, I'm, <laughs> Let's not talk how the sausage is made. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like peeling back the curtain just that little bit too much. <laughs> uh, speaking of peeling back the curtain, Chris Waring, you are a teacher. How are your holidays going? Good, mate. Going hard at the moment, but not long to go before I'm back in the real world. Yeah, Friendy, uh, Daniel Friend, of course, you are also a teacher. Are you starting to see the darkness at the end of the tunnel as work approaches? <laughs> I love my job, Bo. That's all I'll say. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. My week's been good as well because I was the only person on the panel that got their bowl prediction right. <laughs> I got uh, five games to be decided by 10 points or less coming into uh, Easter Monday, I was not expecting that to come true, but the Tigers surprised us all, I think, and and got the points. So uh, I, I got my bold. A few people came pretty close, including Chris Waring, predicting Panthers 30-plus, and they were 28 points. Bad luck on that one. Uh, the rest of us, close but no cigar. We'll have to go back to the drawing board. Let's talk about wild cards. Uh, Chris, as I mentioned, you were devilishly close to your bold prediction coming off, so why don't you start us off with wild cards? Got a... Um Bit of a piss take one. It's called the Peter Win Score Award. And as, as you know, I went to the game on Monday for uh, Parramatta versus West Tigers. And I have this joke with my mates that, you know, Parramatta fans are relatively fair weather. And obviously saw a lot of fans there with their fresh Peter Win bags and new jerseys. So <laughs> shout out to all them disappointed fans on Monday evening. Pretty yeah. unfortunate. Do you think Peter Wynn would have had to pay out a, like, like a few refunds after that uh, disappointing performance? Well, I think I think today he's on the ASX. I think that's how busy he was. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, Kieran, you were actually quite disappointed, probably, for the Tigers in a sort of bittersweet moment uh, because they cost you your bowl. You had seven home games, uh, seven home victors, and it was only six because of the Eels losing. Uh, what is your wild card award this week? Uh, I've got, Miles might know this one, I've got the Mc Nicola McDermott Reflection Diary, which goes to Valentine Holmes. It's not often I buy into a player saying they've learned so much in the offseason after a lean year until I see results on the field, but Holmes far exceeded my expectations this season, bobbing up all over the field, and it's just how motivated he looks when he injects himself that has most uh, most pleased me. Um, you can see he wants the ball with, um, in his hands whenever he gets it. And, um, yeah, he's been a real difference maker so far. A little bit of the school of uh, watching Tom Trevojevic in the origin last year. Obviously, Holmes has not been as good as Turbo was last year. But that the idea that the centre can go looking for the ball and play a bit like an extra fullback and an extra person in the line. And that's how he scored his try, which was pivotal on the weekend. So good to see from Val. Miles, did you understand the reference that Kieran was talking about there? Yeah, maybe one. <laughs> Quick Googling, you know, I do remember her smiling face from the Olympics, but um, 
Yeah, you very nearly struck out there, Kieran. Sorry. <laughs> What's your wild card? Uh, uh, well, I, I've actually named my wild card this week. It's the Money Can't Buy Me Love wild card award. Um, and it goes to the Bulldogs, of course, who, despite all that, players left and right, they're now last in the standings, below even the Tigers, who um, they, they didn't do no work in the offseason, but they, you know, uh, Jackson Hastings was the only real big signing that they made, and uh, it, show, it goes to show you that it, it takes uh, uh, it takes a, a what's the the saying? It takes a, a village to raise a barn, or something like that. It takes a village to raise a barn, and also a child. Uh, it takes a community to raise a child. So yeah, uh, been a little bit. Tough. The, uh, <laughs> I don't know who the uh, the community is in this um, <laughs> in this metaphor, but uh, basically, it takes more than just signing players. So sorry, Bulldogs. Sorry, Bulldogs, indeed. Friendy, you predicted the Bulldogs would come last despite all those signings. What's your wild card this week? I did. Uh, my wild card award this week, Bo, is the sells more dummies than a mannequin store, and it goes to Cameron Munster. <laughs> uh, his, his performance last week was sensational. That, uh, that try where he threw about three or four dummies, never got touched on the way to the line. Uh, the other one where he dummied and went through and Cameron Munster looked like a mannequin. Um, sorry, uh, not Cameron Munster, Cameron McGuinness, <laughs> mannequin. Yeah, he was outstanding, Cameron Munster, and I think uh, he, he's really got his head on his shoulders this year, and I expect them to be really hard to beat. We did hear a lot about his preseason and how up for it he was, and I'm, I'm glad to see that, especially as a Queenslander. He is so pivotal for Queensland this year, so uh, fingers crossed with that. He has not been a disappointment. What has been a disappointment is my wild card. It is the most disappointing podcast feed, and it goes to the Maddie Johns podcast. Now, during the finals last year and this week again, Maddie sat down with Cooper Cronk to talk strategy, and it's just fantastic. Uh, with NRL.com not showing these kind of tactical shows anymore, there is a gap for this content, and Maddie Johns is up to it. But for every e- excellent episode you get, you get him and his family talking absolute nonsense for an hour, as in Matthew Johns, clown jester. Trish, the idiot who married him, and the progeny of these two fools talking about whatever they want. It's just, it's just terrible stuff. And it's so disappointing because we all know what he's capable of. Give us more Cooper Cronk and less of, uh, his son, Cooper Gronk. That's all I'll say. Uh, guys, what did we, what did we learn from, <laughs> what, did, what did we learn from round six now that I've had my little bit of a soapbox? Uh, I'll start with you, please. Friendy, uh, with maybe a little bit of positive news in a way. Mm, potentially. Uh, I guess we'll see. We'll, we'll let the listeners decide. But I learned this week that uh, the rugby league media seem to care more about the clicks than the actual truth. So just a couple of quick quotes. Ben Dobbin this week, who is a moron, um, <laughs> he said, The mail on the Knights pulling the ponga off of it offer was rotten, but sometimes as a journo, you've got to throw some darts out there and hope one sticks. And then Phil Rothfield, to back that up, <laughs> experienced managers are very good at keeping people like me and people like Dean Ritchie, why you would do that, I don't know, briefed with the blow-by-blow negotiations. So the so the story is delivered to Knights fans without crisis and there's none of this panic. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sorry to say, but Dobbo and Buzz, you know what would be great? If you just got the real story and wrote that or don't worry about it and it'll come out in the end anyway. Well, I don't understand how... Buzz thinks he's entitled to know what another grown man's con- contract negotiations are um, and when they're ongoing. Like, it, who, who gives you the right to know that? No one. You, you don't know. I'm sure if, uh, just for example, I don't know, James Packer with the star or something. Does Buzz think he's supposed to know those negotiations? No. 
So, yeah, I don't get it. They write all these stories. They're a load of crap. And thank God Kalen has um, sorted it out now and he can leave the Knights alone. Well, that's that, that was the good news part of it was for the Knights, they've, they've had that re-signing. Uh, before I mm. branch too much away from that, uh, how are you feeling as a Knights fan? Obviously, the money... He's going to have to earn it. He really needs to win a few more games for us. But I do understand that uh, if you compare him to, say, a Munster, Munster is surrounded by other really elite players. We don't quite have that yet. So whether they can build that or I'm not too sure. I think there's a bit in Clifford and we'll see what the others can do. Um, but I, I understand he won't win as many games with lesser people around him. But it'd be nice if he could on that sort of coin. Absolutely. Um Miles, what do you say to the idea that uh, journos care more about clicks than the truth? That actually, that seems kind of true to me. Well, I won't stand up for the two journos that um, Frenzy's got in the crosshairs there because I don't need to die on that hill. But um, I do want to stand by the reporting, um, the excellent report. And I uh, shamefully can't remember who it was, but uh, SMH um, this morning. Michael Chamas. Um, Michael Chamis, um, who I believe uh, was formerly um, NRL in-house media, so I, I didn't, didn't know he was actually writing for SMH now. But um, he's uh, he's reporting on um, the the sort of uh, the other side of the Ponga situation, which is uh, largely to do with his father Andre. Now, of course, we don't know what's or how much of it's true, and, and whether it's hundred percent true or not, whether it's the whole truth, uh, nothing but the truth. But <laughs> it's uh, I feel like we you, you always get closer to the truth the more that's written about something, or the more angles and perspectives that you have. Um, it, it, you know, it's it's no, I don't think any one story always gets it hundred percent right, but I think you got more of a chance of getting closer to the pin the the more angles that you have on it there. And, and obviously um, Barry Tui does an, an excellent job up, up in, in Newcastle on the, the night's beat for um, the Newcastle Herald, I think it is, Friendy. But mm-hmm. uh, yep. it, it, some of his reporting, and this is completely unsubstantiated, un- unsubstantiated, but it did seem like some of his reporting was coming um, more from the Ponga camp than anything else. And so I think it was good to have some some balance there from Chamas potentially uh, getting some of his stuff more from the Inside the Knights uh, HQ. Yeah, fair point. Back back to you, Friendly, just very briefly on that one. You were very confident, very, very confident that Ponga's deal had not been taken off the table despite the reporting from Dean Ritchie. And that was on the basis that Barry Tui was correct. Um, so, like, yes, there is a there is an element of he's coming from the Ponga camp, but he also seems very well connected with the Knights to be right so often. Yeah, he doesn't miss anything from Newcastle. He just, you can trust it like gold. Um, Baz has been up there for the best part of 30 years writing, I'm pretty sure. So he's got great relationships with everyone in Newcastle and, and at the club. And um, yeah, if, it, if it's about Newcastle and Barry Tui says it, just, yeah, take it to the bank. All right, sounds good. Uh, speaking of the bank, uh, someone has some big decisions to make, Kieran. Ah, yes, the Melbourne Storm. Obviously, it's well reported what happened with Munster in the offseason, and uh, I can kind of understand that the Storm didn't want to, to sign him uh, immediately after what happened and, and what has happened uh, in, in seasons prior to, to last season as well. Uh, he's not always been uh, the best-behaved off-field, so I can kind of understand, but at the same time, they also got rid of Nico Hines. Um, if anyone can't tell that's listening to the part of what I'm talking about, where I'm trying to, to see or... Uh, uncover whether the Storm will rue prioritizing other signings over uh, Munster first. So they, they re-signed, obviously, Harry Grant, uh, Xavier Coates, and I think Jerome Pughes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
first and now yeah they've, they've probably left a um a, not enough money there for munster to, to resign um i think they reported 750 to 800k and if i'm munster uh, he's got a family now um i'm not sure i would be staying especially with the lure of wayne bennett at the dolphins that's huge uh munster has won a, a wally lewis medal under wayne bennett in origin for single-handedly won won the origin game um i think he'd love to, to reunite with wayne bennett i think it's probably Maybe Trent Robinson, but I think Kiri and Walker are probably pretty settled there. Um, but yeah, other than Robinson, probably um, Bennett's the only other coach he'd probably most likely like to go to. Uh, and then, yeah, the form of Munster this season has to see the Storm somehow wiggle around their cap space because he's got a better highlights package this first six rounds than even the totality of Connor Tracy's career. Um, and <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just I just think it'd be a bit crazy. To, 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 to let him go. I think uh, we've touched on it plenty of times, Bo. So he's got that, that mentality where he just goes, fuck it. I'm, I'm going to win this game on my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the highest form of competition that rugby league has to offer, you, you, you want the more players that you can have like that, the better. Um, especially with the squad that the Panthers have assembled now. Let Munster go. They've let Nico Hines go. And maybe that gap between them and the Panthers starts to widen a bit more. Obviously, the, the Melbourne Storm are renowned for unearthing absolutely brilliant, um, youngsters and, bringing people across and, and turning them into superstars. But I, I think this would be one that they regret letting go. Well, when they do unearth one of those real youngsters and they turn into an elite player, Billy Slater, Cooper Cronk, Cameron Smith, now Pappenhausen, now Jerome Hughes, now Harry Grant, now Cameron Munster, they keep them. They always keep them. I mean, the only reason Cronk left was because of love. So, mm. I mean, this would be huge for the Storm if they lost Cameron Munster. I do think that if you have an opportunity to, and we saw that triple announcement uh, about a month ago now of um, Coates, um, Hughes. Um, Grant. Oh, yeah, Grant, yeah. Grant, sorry, that's it. Um, of course, they got the opportunity to lock them down um, as soon as they could. And I think that's the right move. I think you do, if you have the opportunity to uh, table a player off they like and they're, they're ready to sign it, you, you, of course, go ahead and do that. Uh, and I, I don't think that you want to, you know, maybe wait just to see if someone else like Munster is going to want a bit, bit more. I, I think you just got to make the move and, and um, you know, get the, 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 the business order that you can at the time and, and, and let the future um, dictate what's going to happen. Because, you know, when I think, when I think a player's thinking about leaving, like clearly Munster is, I don't necessarily think that um, setting aside a little bit more money just to try and entice him to stay is, is always going to, to, um, to, to get him across the line anyway. Yeah, we're talking about a, a big gap here. Like the, the Dolphins, for example, if, if Kieran is right, that they that he does uh, end up being tempted by Bennett at the Dolphins, they, they could have 1.1, 1.2 to throw at him. And you could, you could justify that amount of money, I think, uh, for a guy like Munster when you're a, when you're a budding brand new club. So, uh, you know, we're talking about a gap of like 300, 400, maybe $500,000 per year if the storm don't budge. Uh, that's 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 a that's a lot of money. That's like that's a that's a that's a that's a nice you know. Well, actually, you know, that's that's renting a flat for a year, isn't it? At the moment, with the house prices, um, but still, you know, he, he's he's got some decisions to make now. Chris, uh, I, as you said, you were at the game. So was Miles. Actually, that was a, a lovely moment. Uh, you two meeting up at, at the game. That was something that I learned was that we can bring people together on this podcast. But Chris, as a Tigers fan. Uh, must have been satisfying. Did you learn anything at the game? 
obviously very satisfying. It was a great game, to be honest, taking the bias out. I thought both sides played pretty well. And that links on to a greater point, where I think there's some over-the-top discussion on the Eels this week. Obviously, I get the point you lose to the West Tigers. It's, it's not the best thing in the world. I get that. But, yeah, I think we just need a – with the Parramatta Eels, there's a lot of discussion about trying to write them off before we even get to the semifinal. And they definitely do have an issue in terms of, say, killer instinct or, you know, clutch moments, uh, Mitchell Moses and – and Gutherson, but you know they're still one of you look at their record last two or three years they're still one of the best teams in the competition and i think it's just i think the obviously i get to desire to make commentary about it but i think it just needs to wait until they do it or if they fail which is in the semi-final moments and obviously you can take this as an indicator of well they don't have it in them of course you probably you, I, my perspective i think melbourne or penner would have won from that same situation Mm-hmm. in that exact same moment of the game. But, yeah, with Parramatta, it's just, you know, we just have to wait until it happens or wait until it never happens, and then I think we'll finally have the answer rather than, you know, just, just going back and forward every time this happens to them. It's not the first time it's happened this season, though, with the Eels. Um, they were lucky with the Storm um, to get that victory with the ball bouncing off the post into Ray Stone. Uh, they, they they should have iced the game earlier, but Marnie went the wrong way. It's... if. And, and like you're saying to wait until the end of the season, I, I get that because it's the new year and Brown looks in better form and all that sort of stuff. But we have seen this story before. I think they're in this competition up to their eyeballs. <laughs> so too early. Yeah, I actually think that they've played some of their best football this year despite the loss. So basically, we, we come to the, the point that maybe Cooper Cronk said it best, actually, on that podcast I was talking about earlier, where he said, look, it's easy to sit there and say, Tigers haven't won a game this year. Eels are top four. If they lost to the Tigers, they must have played shithouse. But as Chris said, it was actually a really good game. And they and they didn't play a shithouse. Um, they, they played all right. They didn't play their best, but they played all right. So uh, no credit to the Tigers and the Eels live to fight another day, of course. And hopefully for the Eels fans, they have learned something from this game about how to ice it that little bit better. And now it's time for... Fen- Gee, I hate this word. Phenom- phenomenal. 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 Phenomenal trivia. Speaking of ice and veins, Daniel Friend has won a bunch of phenomenal trivia so far. So it's up to you guys, Miles Stedman, Chris Waring, and Kieran Gibson to knock him off his perch. Because if you don't, frankly, I'm going to make Friendy host phenomenal trivia next week and, and get, <laughs> give me a go. Give me a go to get in there. But for now, I've got three questions for you all. I've got one that pertains to this season. I've got one that pertains to a couple of seasons ago. And I've got one that is a who am I? Okay, first question pertaining to this year. Which player is leading the competition for tackle breaks? Miles? You go on, Miles. It's, it's it, like, it, you, you, guys, you guys sound a bit confused. You guys sound a bit confused. So I'm going to give a clue. It's a winger. Okay, it's a winger, is it? Mm-hmm. Um, could it? Um, oh, gosh. I. I, I feel a little bit silly saying this, but could it be Taylor May? Oh, that's a good guess, but no, it's not Taylor May. Anyone want to have a crack? The team has not been going that well. Kieran. Kieran? Cottridge. It's not Cottridge. Cottridge? No, it's not Cottridge. That team's going about the same, yeah. though. So it's Freddie or Chris? Mm. Pondering. Pondering. <laughs> <laughs> that's for good podcasting, doesn't it? I, I can Freddy. Yes, Freddie. Is it Fine from the Dragons? No, it's not. So that leads us down to Chris. You get a free shot. Which 
winger in a not so good team at the moment is leading the competition for tackle breaks. Just gotta go for a target here. From nah. Uh, Selwyn Cobber. I'll have a crack at. It's not Selwyn Cobber. It's Greg Marziu from the Titans with oh, 36 lines. Next. Yes. A uh, little wrecking <laughs> ball. Very much reminds me of Matt Utai, uh, Greg Marziu. Maybe a slightly taller version of Matt Utai, but a, a wrecking ball nonetheless. Speaking of Matt Utai, we're talking about Tigers now. So watch out for Chris Waring. He's a bit of a threat here. Question two. Luke Brooks started at 5'8 for the first time since 2020 with Jackson Hastings playing halfback. Who was the halfback the previous time he was 5'8"? Friendy. We've got Friendy in there first. Um, Was it Benji Marshall? It was Benji Marshall. Friendy is on the board. One zip. Uh, Benji Marshall was the halfback the last time Luke Brooks was tried at 5'8". It was late in 2020 after he spent some time on the bench. Chris, you'd remember those Halcyon days. Yeah, well. (laughs) They haven't got much better since then, so. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was really good, actually, the, uh, the the combination of Hastings and Brooks. It gave Brooks, as as Kronk and John's pointed out, a bit more time and had a couple of nice tries. What's yeah, that? We'll, we'll ask in five weeks and then we'll go. <laughs> okay. The last one is a who am I? As soon as you think you know it, buzz in and I'll stop. But if you're wrong... You're out and I continue until I've run out of stuff to talk about this person. Okay. This is a rugby league person, obviously. Uh, who am I? I was born on the 30th of July, 1966. My dad, Harry, worked for Queensland Rail when I was young. I played over 300 first grade games, including a stint in England. So I'm no mug. <laughs> I, I scored over 100 tries with a couple of goals and field goals along the way. I represented my state and country. My career started in the BRL, the Brisbane Rugby League, in the 80s. Friendy. Friendy? Dale, she- Dale Shearer. It's not Dale Shearer, Friendy. I'm sorry you are out. Uh, up to continue, in the NRL or equivalent, I only played for one club. I was an automatic selection for my state during my career, but sometimes missed out because of broken legs or because I signed with Super League. I retired in the late 90s, but made a variety of comebacks. I'm still heavily involved with my favorite club. I was a half. Miles? Miles? Did did you say how I was a halfback? I was about to. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> um, all right. I'll, I'll try and pump something out quick. Um, is it Kevin Walters? It's not Kevin Walters. My initials are Chris. at Chris. Alfie Langer. Uh, it's Alfie Langer. Alan Langer. Yeah, I got sure. down. So, yes. <laughs> 1966 makes him... Mid fifties, uh, played over three hundred games, no mug, hundred tries. Started his career with the Ipswich Jets in the Brisbane Rugby League competition in the eighties. Uh, only played for the Broncos. Still involved. Retired in the late nineties, but did have a variety of comebacks, as you guys would remember. Uh, playing for Queensland after going over to England, and then also uh, coming back to the Broncos uh, as well. My last clue was 
my initials are AJL. So if you didn't get it at that point, uh, I've got bad news for you. So that means that we have a tie between Chris Waring and Daniel Friend, which means I need a tiebreaker. And I have one prepared this week, believe it or not, because I thought this might happen. So sorry, Miles. Sorry, uh, Kieran. Gonna have to sit this one out. Uh, so the person that buzzes in first gets first crack. And then the other person gets the second crack. It's a number that you're going to get closest to the pin. Okay. The tiebreaker is for Friendy and Chris. What is the winning percentage for the Newcastle Knights for the club's entire history? Friendy. Yes, Friendy. 40%. 40%. Uh, Chris, what do you think? Uh, 40, 44%. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So close, Chris. Are you uh, correct? Sort of, because it was 45%. Daniel, you underestimated your team. Yeah, it's an easy thing to do, isn't it? <laughs> it is. That's a Cowboys fan. So, phenomenal. Chris, you win. Congratulations. That is phenomenal. Well done. You win phenomenal trivia. Well done. Phenomenal stuff. <laughs> phenomenal stuff. Well done. Uh, let's talk about the phenomenal round seven coming up. The first game is between the Sharks and the Seagulls on Thursday night. At 7.50 from Points Bet Stadium, which is the name for Shark Park these days. Miles, any big team list news? Uh, there's a few spots of news, yes. Dale Finucane is going to miss the game. Um, he suffered a head knock and he failed his HIA against the Storm. Uh, Braden Hamlin Ueli also out with a pectoral injury, I believe. So, let's going to see Cameron McInnes start at lock. Um and Aiden Tolman will also come into the starting side, the uh, the recent try scorer. Um, and Rose Hunt will um, lob onto the bench. Um, Sione Katoa also going to be uh, returning on the wing. And so uh, Mawini Hirodi is uh, out of the team, well, out of the 17 at least. And uh, Britton Nakora is also uh, returning after, um, I believe, COVID protocols keeping me out of the prior game. Uh, for the Seagulls, um, Morgan Harper is back in the centres after his own... COVID layoff. Um, so that's going to be uh, Tolatau Cooler making way uh, into the reserves list. Uh, Josh Aloye also out. Um, his place is taken by Tanila Paseka. Um, and uh, Headknock is also going to sideline Sean Kepi. So Ethan Bullymore, he's on the bench now. And uh, unfortunately, Chris's favourite, Martin DePau, still out. <laughs> so so uh, a lot of outs and in. A lot of outs and ins there, Miles. Uh, what's the hot tip? It's, it's a tough one. I think if the Seagulls were playing at home, I would go for them. But the Sharks have looked like they've had a pretty red-hot uh, home ground advantage to this point in the season. And I think maybe I, uh, I've i even built up an, a little bit um, more trust in them to this point in the season. So I think I'm going to go ahead and dip the Sharks. Me too. Uh, Chris, no to power, no Seagulls? Uh, <laughs> well, River Garrett. Still there. Uh, um, I'm going to go. I think it's going to be a close game, to be honest. Um, I thought the Sharks were really poor when Finucane was off the field, but I'm going to go Cronulla anyway. But I think it'll be close. Yeah, I think Finucane's a big loss. Friendy, what do you think? I think he is a big loss, but I'll be tipping the Sharks in a really tight one. Yeah, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to tip the Sea Eagles in a tight one. Yeah, I think it will be a close one either way. So uh, looking forward to a good Thursday night game. Uh, Friday night, we have the Broncos and the Bulldogs from Suncorp Stadium. At 7.55pm, Kieran, you're a Brisbane local. Why don't you tell us about the teamless news? Um, so we've got Tamare Martin starting at fullback. Uh, his first game since April 2019 due to a, a bleed on the brain. Um, formerly played for the Cowboys. 
uh, actually scored a try for us in the grand final in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, Farnworth returns in the centres. The Bulldogs are decimated due to COVID. Uh, I actually just got a message through um, on my phone. I could see it, my screen uh, illuminate. Uh, it says that there's 12 Bulldogs players ruled out, apparently. So this game could be called off or postponed at least. Um, but the news that I at least have uh, from NRL.com is that Nate and Avarillo and Siu Manu Fegai are out replaced by two youngsters, Kiraz and Sick recast, I'm sorry to the whatever community that is. I'm probably uh, pronouncing that horribly. And then Ockenbohr returns on the wing. Um, I think the Broncos uh, have only been com- comprehensively beaten at home by the Cowboys. And the other two encounters against stiff competition, they, they really held their own or or won the game against the Bunnies in round one. Um, so for that reason, I, I lean towards them. And I like the addition of Pegs at nine and no Turpin. Yeah, I thought I thought you'd get around to that one eventually. Um, <laughs> look, a lot of a lot of outs for the Bulldogs means that I'll be going for the Broncos too. What do you think, Friendy? Yeah, I'll um I'll be tipping the Broncos, but I, again, I think it'll be closer than people think, even though they're COVID ravaged. The Bulldogs. Yeah, Miles, uh, the Bulldogs have been a bit plucky this season. Do you give them much of a chance? Uh, not if um, all the outs are to be believed. I'm definitely going to be uh, tipping safely here and going for the Broncos. But goodness, I mean, if if as many players are going to be out as to be believed, they've got to reschedule this. It's on national TV. They can't let that go ahead with half a side missing. Well, they, they did that with the cricket um, where uh, Big Bash League clubs would just have, like, you know, random people from Queensland Premier Cricket just turning up and playing games. And that, that, that was okay. But it wasn't It wasn't fantastic. Uh, Chris, you might remember some of those games. Uh, do you give the plucky Bulldogs a chance against the Broncos? Uh, yeah. I was somewhat the friendly sentiment. I think beware the you know the wounded animal, but I think with Jake Turpin now, Broncos are a certainty. <laughs> <laughs> love it. I'd also love to hear your thoughts about the next game. It's on Saturday at five thirty PM. It's the Cowboys and Titans from Queensland Country Bank Stadium. Chris, any teamless news there? Yep. So Griffin Names back from concussion. Uh, Jordan McLean, Jordan McLean starts for the Cowboys. Ruben Cotter back to the bench, and Connelly uh, Mayu drops out. Uh, something to take note of is the hammer is in the reserves, so might be interesting to see what happens there if he gets yeah. named in the eventual seventeen or not. Mm-hmm. I would not drop drink quarter, just throwing that out there. But by the way, and then Titans, Titans are one to seventeen, but same thing. Um, Jaden Campbell was in the reserves as well. Um, I'm going to go the Titans. Yeah, the Titans have been very, very patchy this year, and so have the Cowboys, to be fair. I'm going to go the Cowboys as a heart tip. Um, speaking to the Hammer situation, uh, my instinct is they probably would drop drink water if Hammer was fit, but if it's not going to be drink water, you'd have to say Murray Talungi might be the most vulnerable on the wing because the rest of the back line's playing really well. So, tough one for Peyton to figure out there. Uh, Kieran, you're a Cowboys man. I assume you're going for the Cowboys, although the Titans are your second team. They are. Uh, no, I'll be tipping the Cowboys. It, it, it hurts a little bit more when you uh, tip against your team and they end up winning. So I'll be going the Cowboys. But I'd like to see Drinkwater at least go to the bench uh, and Granville uh, probably retire, to be honest. If, um, if <laughs> I'll call it out on the pod here now. Um, if if uh, the Hammer, couldn't think of his name, the Hammer is back. Look, I I agree entirely with that sentiment. Miles, um, uh, who, who do you think out of the Cowboys and Titans? Well, uh, looking at this one, it's a really close one for me. Um, I, I know they usually try and hide the, the the least appetizing game of the week in this slot, but I, I think it'd, I think it'd be really close. But um, 
I am going to go for the Cowboys by two points. Yeah, I think Cowboys in a tight one as well, and I think it'll be pretty high scoring. The next game is the Tigers and Rabbitohs at 7.35 from Combank Stadium. Again, that is where the Tigers won just on Monday, Friendy. Uh, what's the team list news? Uh, Tigers are unchanged after their first win for the year, so well done to them. Maguire's probably a little bit more relaxed going into this week, I'd suggest. Uh, he'd still like a win, though. The Bunnies, Jaime Sele will start, Tom Burgess to the bench. There's a couple of little shuffles there, but basically the same. Uh, I'll be tipping the Rabbits, but I expect this to be a, a close game as well. Yeah, the Tigers uh, should be buoyed by by their victory, but I will just go with you know, uh, demonstrated class, um, consistent class with this one. So I'm going to go to the Rabbitohs. Chris, um, obviously the hearts with the Tigers, but do you give them some, some confidence after that victory? Oh, there's it's a little bit of faith has been restored, but I, I still think that's in I think something to look out for, I don't think Jake Little, uh, sorry, I don't think Jake Simpkin will play. He seemed to have a pretty bad ankle injury last week, despite being named. So, and I think they were, they were, the direction at nine was a lot better than him there other when Jacob Little was there. But um, I'm still going to go South Sydney. I just, you know, one game is enough to build that confidence here. Yeah, I tell you what, if they can roll the Eels and Rabbitohs uh, in consecutive weeks, then we're having a different conversation next week. I'm going to tip the Bunnies, but I haven't been convinced by them at all this season. Yeah, I think they've been very patchy and they haven't really put, other than, I guess, against the Roosters, they were quite good. But other than that, they haven't shown me um, anything to suggest that they'll I, I think that they're a chance to miss the eight. Um, but, yeah, I've really liked uh, Ilias. He's really um, grown into the season as it's going on. And um, a lot of commentators have um, commented on just how he has such a, a calm head on his shoulders. So a small shout-out to him. But, yeah, I'll be tipping the bunnies. Uh, well, I hate saying this because it, it just feels like a stupid thing to say. But I think the Tigers will think they're a, a real massive chance in this game, just uh, as Kieran said, with the, the Rabbitohs being perhaps below par. But I'm st- still going to... Um, I'm still going to tip safely, at least until uh, the Tigers can demonstrate two weeks of good play in a row. Yeah, that's that's where I land as well. Uh, the next game is Sunday, 2 p.m. from McDonald Jones Stadium. It is the Knights and the Eels, a couple of teams looking for a bounce back. Miles, any changes? Not many with the Knights. Uh, Adam Clune is um, back in the team after he was a, a late withdrawal last week. Um, so Phoenix Crossland is going to jump onto the bench um, thanks to that. But that's pretty much all... Um, to do with the Knights. The Eels, though, um, another wearing favourite, Junior Paulo, back uh, after he missed um, Monday's loss. Um, That's why they lost. Probably why they lost. Um, so, Oregon Kafusi is going to join the bench. Um, Murata Niakori, also out. Um, he's going to be replaced by Will Penasini in the sentence. Um, Hayes Perham on the wing. Uh, and uh, Regan Campbell-Gillard, I think some were expecting him to miss after he limped off on Monday, but he will be playing, um, or at least he's been named. And Mitch Rain is um, in the reserves and Jacob Arthur is on the bench. So a few new faces in the Eels side. Look, they were, um, as we've sort of alluded to, they even though they lost to the Tigers, they, they weren't bad. Um, they weren't great, but they, they weren't bad. Um, I, I still believe in them, and I, I think they'll be pretty cut up by the, the loss on um, on Monday, so I am going to tip them. Um, and I think they're probably going to take a little bit of anger out of the night, so I'm going to go the Eels by 10+. plus. Sorry, Friendy. I, That's okay. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna throw to Friendy here because uh, one thing I liked, Friendy, in the last week is that in, in a beaten side, I thought Kalen Ponga was best on, on the field uh, against the Dragons, and he's now signed that contract to put that all to bed. Uh, do you think there's some positive signs there for the Knights? 
There's, yeah, there is certainly positives there. I, I don't think we're cellar dwellers by any means, but yeah, I'll, I'll still be tipping the Eels this week. Um, the the start is crucial for us, I, I think, against them. They have the potential to start really hot um, and, and blow us away a little bit. So if we can start well, I think we can go with them and make it tight. But yeah, Eels for me. Clune also an important inclusion, I think, but I will be going for the Eels too. Uh Chris, you, you saw the Eels firsthand on Monday. Uh, do you think they have what it takes to beat the Knights? Yeah, I think uh, I share Miles' sentiment. I think they're going to come out um, really angry. I think they'll they'll beat Newcastle by 13+. plus. Speaking of angry, someone's going off in the background there. We've got a heckler. Who's that? Hey, <laughs> that- Joey. Yeah, there's dogs. Yeah. My house meets dogs. Oh, it's not Joey. Oh. <laughs> We've thrown Joey under the bus. <laughs> no, no. No, Joey's calm and relaxed at the moment. I think he had too much to eat before. <laughs> Fair enough. And, You're like me. <laughs> and last tip is uh, uh, for you, Kieran, Knights or Eels? Uh, I've got the Eels. I think the dogs were saying the Eels as well. So, uh, uh, good, yeah, good. Go the Eels. Thanks for their input. Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe you can ask them what they think about the next game. It's the Panthers and the Raiders at sun- Sunday, 4.05 p.m. from Bluebet Stadium out at Penrith. If the dogs can let us know about the teamless changes and then their tip, please, Kieran. Um, so they've let me know that the Panthers are unchanged and the Raiders have made the necessary change with Sticky showing he needs to blood youth by putting Savage on the wing. A great decision by the master tactician. Uh, <laughs> Charms moves to the bench with why I really don't know and Rapana is fullback. Um, I think the Panthers are becoming their own kind of Melbourne Storm in that they just keep producing brilliant players of our game. Tago and May look like 10-year first graders. Um, and then without going into too much analysis, I, I'm tipping the Panthers, but I've got a, another small shout-out to, to Spencer Lienu, who finished off last season real, uh, really strongly and has continued that this season. Yes, uh, it's very hard to tip against the Panthers, and you're right, Spencer Lienu has been really good, as have the other rookies. How do you tip against the Panthers, Friendy? I, I don't know how you do it. Yeah, it's impossible at the moment. Penrith for me. Uh, I think a, a raft of changes is usually good for a good side and bad for a bad side. So I'm going to tip the Panthers, and I'm going to go by maybe 20 points. Yeah, uh, shout out to Xavier Savage. Hope he has a good game, but I think he's going to buy a million. Yeah, probably. Uh, it's uh, As you pointed out in the group chat, Chris, uh, you know, Sticky's been telling the world that he's not ready for first grade and then he puts him in the next week. It's just bizarre. <laughs> yeah, what, what can you say about that? Um, I don't know, but what can you say about the Dragons and Roosters on Anzac Day, 4pm from the SCG, Chris? Anthony Christian's now in the same seven. From the win last week, so Taros Swan still uh, is in the reserves. So Mozambique still at the back. Roosters. So Mamaroski comes in for Kevin Naguama. Uh, Takiyaha replaces Saluka for feet on the bench. So Sam Barrows is at nine again, but um, it may be saying that Hutchison will start at nine, just like last week. I think Roosters, but I don't think by a massive amount. I think these games are usually pretty uh, tight contests, but the Roosters haven't been massively impressive. But I think they should get the job done. Uh, job done still. You've made me nervous about my bold prediction here. Um, I, too, am going to go for the Roosters, but I've got them by a, a bit more than that. Um, Miles, historically, it is a close game on Anzac Day between these two. What do you make of it? Um, I, I don't think it'll be particularly close this time. I think the Roosters will be lining up a, a bit of a, a, a get-right game, as they call it. So I'm going to tip the Roosters by maybe 12. Yeah, I haven't seen um, a real big game, a big game and a big game from Tedesco or Kiri just yet. So 
<laughs> I'm kind of expecting those two to, to, to pick up their form. I think the Roosters will get it done quite comfortably. Yeah, I think this will be an absolute belter. Uh, I love the Anzac Day clash between these two clubs. I think it'll be really tight. Uh, I'd almost tip the Dragons, but, but I'll go with the Roosters, uh, and I'm expecting a big turnaround in performance from specifically Tedesco and Radley, who I think have been pretty off this, this year so far. What, what made you almost tip the Dragons? Just the Anzac Day of it all or something else? Yeah. Yeah, I think um, their forward pack really suits this type of occasion. Uh, I think they'll rip in early, and once they get a bit of momentum, the Dragons, they Ben Hunt runs with that really well. Um, he's quite a good front runner. When they are chasing points, he gets quite flustered and, and can really make some errors. But if they can start well, I give them a huge chance. All right. Yeah, thanks for that. Uh, and the, And... Thank you for analysing the last game, which is the Storm and the Warriors, now a also a traditional Anzac Day clash, uh, at 7pm on Monday from Amy Park. What's the uh, what's the team list news? Yeah, the Storm welcome back the Bromwich Brothers, which sounds like a wrestling tag team partnership. Uh, <laughs> and the Warriors uh, welcome back Matt Lodge and possibly Jazz Tavanga, who's amongst the reserves. So I actually think this will be the complete opposite of the earlier game in the day. And I think the Storm will run up a massive score here. I can see them putting 50 on the Warriors. They've done it before in this fixture, if memory serves. I've, I've got the Storm by a fair bit as well. Miles, what do you think? Yeah, um, in inverse, the other Anzac Day game, this, this one's pretty much never close. So I'm going to go for the Storm by, yeah, probably, I don't know. 20, 25. Yeah, um, Storm. But you never know with the Warriors. Warriors tend to have some wood over Melbourne, but you, you couldn't possibly tip them. They've been pretty ordinary, to be honest. Hmm. Um, Melbourne by plenty. Uh, yeah, I'm not, not uh, very convinced by the, the Warriors' defence. I'm going to have to tip the Storm. All right, time for some bold predictions. As I mentioned, I... Uh, talked about the fact that I think the Roosters will, will belt the, the Dragons in Anzac Day, which is unusual. And I think the Storm will go with them. So I've got both Anzac Day games being 20 plus victories. That's my bold prediction this week. Friendy, what do you got? Well, we're going to be against each other, I think, a little bit, Bo. So my bold <laughs> prediction is the margin, the winning margin in the Storm and the Warriors game, which I expect to be the Storm, will be bigger than the combined margin in the Sharks, Manly, Tigers, Rabbits and Roosters, Dragons game together. Oh, we do that. That wow. makes do math, friend. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so hang on. Start, go again. So that was Sharks, Sea Eagles... Uh, dragons, uh, roosters, tigers, rabbits, tigers, rabbits, and dragons, yep. roosters. Tigers. Yep. All right, that's gonna be um, that'll be fun to keep track of. Thanks for that. That's good. Miles, um, what's your bold prediction? So I'm going to go for one of my favourite players here, um, Kalen Ponga. Um, but I'm going to give him um, I'm going to give him a little bit of a, bit of a boost here. I think he'll be um, pretty disappointed with all the the chatter about um, perhaps still being his dad's little boy and, and all that and. And the just the general general chatter about whether he's worth his money or not. I think he will have a big game on the weekend. Maybe say uh, give him uh, two tries uh, in a a, a, a in still a, a decent um, decent loss. All right. So a competitive loss with two tries to Kalen Ponga. Uh, I like it. I like, and I, I do like Kalen Ponga. Again, Queensland needs him to be good. So if we can get a couple of tries and under KP's belt, I'll be very happy. Uh, Kieran, you're a Queenslander. You'd be happy with that too. Uh, what's your bold prediction? 
Uh, so I've gone with five centres to score a try across different games. Um, I've got Valentine Holmes, Dan Gagai, Tony Staggs, uh, Isaac Tego, and Joey Manu all to score a try. Nice. That's a, you know, gamble responsibly, please, if you do choose to throw that into a multi. Uh, don't <laughs> Definitely don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> and Chris, what's your ball prediction? All right, I think Mitch. Till Moses is going to bounce back with the tee, so I think he's going to kick 100% from the tee with at least four attempts. So, Paramount will at least score 24 points. Mitchell Moses will go 100% from the kicking tee. Yeah, so at least four attempts, all 100% for Mitchell Moses. I uh, I like that. That's a little yep. bit a uh, little bit nice, really, considering uh, how much mm. how he left the Tigers. You know, that's a bit bit much, don't you think, Chris? Well, he can still get fucked, but I think he'll kick 100%. <laughs> Let's talk about shout-outs then, guys. Um, Kieran, you want to start us off? Uh, I've, got, I've got a shout-out to my Arsenal who played Chelsea away tomorrow morning, uh, and we desperately need at least a point from there. Quick shout-out off the, the back of Kieran there to um, to Manchester United. Uh, Fergie is bigger <laughs> than your club, you dickheads. Um, <laughs> but an actual, actual shout-out to... Uh, to Seagull's owner, Scott Penn, um, and the Penn family, who are trying to apparently bring an NRL game to the United States, which um, I'm sure it'll pretty much only be expats showing up, but it'll still be good fun anyway. Right, I've got a few real quick ones. First one's to Ben Dobbin and Phil Rothfield, big listeners of the podcast. Second one's, <laughs> uh, second one's to my good friends, um, Cameron and Kirk, or Parramatta fans, who absolutely copped an earful from a well-lubricated me on Monday. Miles also met. <laughs> and last one, um, there was just a short clip, uh, short clip from the weekend of Jared Croker, um, just meeting up with a fan, giving him his boots, um, you know, just being a humble guy, playing New South Wales Cup, not making a big fuss of it, and just shout out to one of the nice guys in our game. Yeah, he's done that before a few times, uh, Jared Croker. Seems like a lovely fella. My shout-out is to Kalen Ponga's dad, Andre uh, all I'll say is your shout, your shout mate. Your shout. Mate. <laughs> shout out for a shout. I like that. And my shout out is to Ryan Campbell, a former Australian and Western Australian wicketkeeper batter. Uh, he had a heart attack and was in an induced coma. But the good news is that he is now out of the coma, according to his family. So some positive signs there for him. He was a hugely influential attacking batter, I think one of the most, actually, when it comes to 2020 batting uh, during his career. So, uh, big shout-out to Ryan Campbell. Hope you're well soon, mate. Oh, I have um, one more shout-out on the end of that as well. Um, of course, uh, all the best to Ryan Campbell. But uh, I did read this morning that uh, Nathan Stapleton, former Shark, has um, himself suffered uh, a quite gruesome spinal injury oh. in a, uh, a local football game. So, um, he's uh, apparently... Um, I'm not quite sure what condition he's in, but he's at uh, Royal North Shore in Sydney, and he's um, yeah. I, I know that there is his club's raising funds for him, but let's hope that he um, starts to to look up as well, just like Ryan Campbell is sooner or later. Up the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Find them on Facebook or at www.pioneeraustralia.wordpress.com. The panellists are Miles Stedman, Kieran Gibson and Daniel Friend. And it's hosted and produced by me, Bo Nicholson.